to infinity and beyond! You actually think you're the Buzz Lightyear? You are a toy! You are a child's plaything! You're mocking me, aren't you? Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest, and it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. And to him, you're his buddy, his best friend. And when Andy plays with you, it's like, even though you're not moving, you feel like you're alive, because that's how he sees you. Life's only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. But what happens when the kids grow up? Welcome to Now Playing's Toy Story Retrospective Series. You got a play date with destiny. Hosted by Arnie. He'll never give up on you. Ever. He'll be there for you, no matter what. Stuart. I've been here years. They'll never break me. And Jacob. You're my favorite deputy. A new podcast is posted every Tuesday, so come back each week for another new show. Then we'd better make sure we're there waiting for them. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. The word I'm searching for, I can't say, because there's preschool toys present. We do a lot of improv here. Just stay loose, have fun, you'll be fine. Today we're discussing Lightyear, starring Chris Evans, Kiki Palmer, Peter Sohn, Taika Waititi, James Brolin, directed by Angus McLean. This is Arnie. I'm a man of resources. My weapon is podcasting. Booby, 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 boo. It's Stuart. Usually I'm the one saying booby, booby, booby. Not in this movie. And this is Jacob, the co-host who is bread meat bread forever. I will never flip my sandwich the other way. Sorry, that's where I enlist in the culture war, is when you mess with the sandwich formula. <laughs> you just lack drip. <laughs> Sticky fingers forever. Oh, I don't want to touch no cold ham. And people don't want to touch Lightyear, <laughs> apparently. We are a week late on the sequel to Toy Story. That's huge, people. Why aren't you jumping up and down for this film? Is it really a sequel to Toy Story? It's not a sequel, it's a spinoff. And how many spinoffs have to fail before they stop? I guess one more, because before this movie, I saw a trailer for a spin-off of the Hunger Games series. But come on, we saw how Fantastic Beasts fared, not a candle to Harry Potter. I think that this is following that. There was a lot of confusion, especially on my wife's part. I kind of just figured the movie would tell me, but she's like, I don't understand. He's a toy. So... Is this a movie based on the toy? Is this a real person? Is he a real astronaut that a toy is based on, like Buzz Aldrin? Is he, this a movie in a movie? What is happening here? I'm with Marjorie there. Like, I thought that this was going to be, like, the inspiration for Buzz, like the real life story or something. Like, I thought this was going to tie into the toy somehow. Say what you will. Parse it out with whatever word you want to use. This is a continuation of Toy Story because they know that they better stop and not make Toy Story 5. That would be a creative dead end. And they know that those movies make a gazillion dollars and they want to keep doing that. They found a way to continue the franchise in, yeah, kind of a, a sideways way. Like, it makes you ask, what is 
a Toy Story movie because I wanted to say they're all good. Like this is one of the few franchises where they don't screw it up. All four I recommend. All four kind of like hit this magic formula of working for kids, having all of this spastic energy and pop culture referencing that plays to young ones. But they're also tearjerkers. I mean, they also deal with transitional stages of life and existential crisis. And I think adults get as much or more out of them as children. You know, you say this is from that franchise that's made a kajillion dollars. I feel like you could say that with Pixar until maybe a few years ago. Like, I haven't seen the last two, Turning Red or Luca, which I think were just straight to Disney+. Plus. Soul was a letdown. It was. Onward was a letdown. Like, I feel like Pixar doesn't mean the same thing. Just like Toy Story might not mean the same thing anymore. Neither does Pixar. Well, this is my conspiracy theory, but Disney used to be the great name in animation back in the golden years. Then they fell upon hard times, Black Cauldron, and then they rebuilt themselves with Aladdin and Lion King and became the golden age of animation again. And then Disney went to Pixar and said, let's write you guys a check. Let's play in this computer world. Here, Pixar, here's money. Go make a Toy Story film. So Pixar made one for Disney. And ever since then, Pixar had nothing but hits and they overshadowed Disney. And so I honestly believe Disney bought Pixar to kill it. To give all the good talent to the Disney side and to give direct to streaming <laughs> to Pixar. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder what is the difference between the two now. I saw Encanto, like one of my daughters really wanted to see that. And that felt like a Pixar movie from the quality of the CG animation to a very emotional story about like real things going on in a family. Like it felt like a Pixar movie, it, but I guess that's Disney. So it, it's a different thing. But I, yeah, like you said, Arnie, is there even a difference now? Is this a conspiracy to make Disney be on top again when it comes to animation? <laughs> I mean, you guys are funny. Maybe. I mean, I'm not going to discount that there are in all families inner wars and siblings that want to top one another. Yes, probably the Disney side has hated the fact that Pixar was the favorite child uh, when it, you know, when Walt Disney Company was the eldest, the one that had that title until those little computer nerds came along. But, you know, it ebbs and flows. I mean, I think all creative forces find that there are golden years and lean years. And yes, maybe Pixar is in lean times. I tend to think that they maybe just got too sequel focused. You know, fi the Finding Dories and such. They haven't created as many new concepts. Of course, the two Jacob mentioned were new concepts that didn't overwhelm. I agree, though. I think Disney turned Pixar into a sequel factory for some of it. But you asked, Stuart, what is a Toy Story film? And if you don't remember, Jacob watched several others. For this review, I watched a Toy Story film, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, The Adventure Begins... I mean, that is as much a Toy Story film as this. In fact, I believe it is more a Toy Story film because it actually has Woody and the dinosaur and Mr. Potato Head and all of them excited. The new Buzz Lightyear movie has come out on VHS direct-to-video mm. and they were popping it into a VCR where then we watched a Buzz Lightyear movie. That is exactly what Lightyear is. So if you are saying Lightyear is Toy Story, then we have to legitimize Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, The Adventure Begins. 
Please, no, I don't want to watch that again. You make that joke, but honestly, when I came into this movie relatively uninformed, I didn't know anything about it, wasn't tracking anything in social media or reviews or anything. Okay, you're just not on social media because this is the latest thing in the culture war. So that's funny you hadn't heard anything about it. Yeah, I didn't know any of that was coming. I find out these things after the fact. But what my memory, honest to God, I swear to God, I was just like, oh, Chris Evans replaced Patrick Warburton. I had forgotten (laughs) that Tim Allen was the voice. That's all I knew going in was that there was going to be a same-sex kiss and some theater in Oklahoma put up a sign saying, we're sorry for this offensive scene and we're going to fast forward through it, but we're human and may not fast forward exactly far enough. It's so short. I don't even know how you'd fast forward through it. Like, I remember when we did Rise of Skywalker and you guys like, there's a lesbian kiss. I'm like, I missed it. Like, it's as long as that. Like, it is so quick. And they felt the need to apologize to audiences and fast forward. Yes. In Oklahoma. Look, in Saudi Arabia, they wouldn't even film it. Yeah, Oklahoma and the Middle East. Like, I don't know if that's always the side you want to be on when it comes to banning things in media. As someone that didn't know the scene was coming, it was like a blink and you miss it. Like, oh, yes. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. Like... That this was the talking point for the new movie speaks terrible things about the culture we live in. So maybe that's a reason why the box office is lower is because it was seen as you're not Republican if you endorse this movie. I mean, is this woke? Like a a 0.3 second lesbian kiss. This is not woke. Like they had bigger kisses in the 90s on TV. Honestly, I think two things. First, Pixar movies are meant for home streaming now. After turning red and Luca and Soul, I think people are like, yeah, we'll just wait. And second, I do think that this has the legitimacy of that hand animated or flash animated Buzz Lightyear movie for TV in 2000. This isn't Toy Story. And audiences didn't turn out like Toy Story. Basically, when Toy Story pulled at our heartstrings, re-listened to those shows, it's when it hit us with nostalgia and feelings of growing up and leaving things behind. And you take away the toys, it's no longer a toy story. What we have here is a different beast. And the question is, is it a cash grab or is it a story that really deserved to be told? Well, Toy Story 4 was a cash grab. Toy Story 2 was a cash grab. They still worked, even though they were unnecessary. You didn't need to go beyond the first one. You had made your point about life development and children growing up and out of toys. Yeah, unlike a legitimate Toy Story, I'm really gatekeeping Toy Story here, but <laughs> unlike on the legitimate Toy Story film, like where I would probably want to go to the theater to see it because I've done it with all of them besides that first one that I missed out on. But like this one, I'm like, oh, like maybe it's a cool action cartoon. I don't want to go to the movies to see this. I wouldn't have gone if I didn't have to do it for now playing. Yeah, wait for it to hit Disney Plus. But I was open, like it's Pixar. They usually find an emotional core. They are able to do it. Even with Toy Story 4, like talk to parents about getting old and seeing your children go away and and all that so like i still had faith in pixar being able to hit those notes that i think made it super popular yeah four for four 
I trust them to deliver a decent movie. But in, in terms of enthusiasm, no, I wasn't excited about this. I don't think that they should keep going back to Toy Story. I don't think Pixar should be making sequels to Nemo and Monsters, Inc. You don't want Potato Head, the movie? Yeah, all of that stuff. I mean, all of their franchise. I mean, again, good on them for creating a memorable menagerie of characters but keep doing that. Don't get stuck on your past successes. The nostalgia can kill. And I do feel like a Toy Story 5, which is what I'm calling this, is not the future. Whether it's good or bad, this is not uh, going to build your empire. Well, I think that's the hope, is that this could be the first of a series of light year films. Or maybe they'd be bold and the next one would be Woody. Perhaps. I don't want that. Like, this, do we want Bo Peep as well? And Slinky Dog? Like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't like want to play this game. I'll just say, though, I don't see them doing a Woody movie because as much as, like, people may not want to go to to see these animated things that they could stream anymore, like, do a Western. Oh, no. Like, at least sci-fi, like, that's going to pull the kids in. I don't know if they're going to want that cowboy movie. As the box office of Lone Ranger will attest. Plus, wasn't it black and white? <laughs> I think we saw some clips of it in one of the toy stories yes that, that is true he had that black and white tv show well you could make it the movie remake that uh, just came out again however meta you want to get in there that, that andy's son is watching <laughs> i think lightyear has more story engine generating material i'm don't know which one actually sold more toys i believe Buzz Lightyear's probably the more exciting toy with flip-out wings and light-up wrist rockets. I mean, judging by the toy I see in Toy Story, I get why Andy threw old Woody to the side because this has action features and lights and sounds. I think he's a more exciting toy, and I think if I'm looking at characters from Toy Story and saying, who am I going to make a solo film about not as a toy, he's the obvious choice. Yeah, sure. I get that he's a more exciting toy, but this is not a movie based on a toy. This is a movie that became toyetic. It's a movie based on a toy, based on a movie. It's very mind-warping. I feel like I need some weed gummies to really get into the <laughs> origins of this. Who inspired what? My theater was pretty empty. I'll just go ahead and say that almost nobody was there on a Saturday morning, IMAX. I went to the 10 a.m. show where that's what you would bring the earliest kids to see because I figured their enthusiasm or disapproval would help shape the experience. And there was barely anyone there. There was a girl with a socks doll. And she was very opinion. <laughs> I, Thor might be in trouble, according to her. She's like, this looks stupid during the preview. So very much had her own thoughts and opinions. But she had already invested in Lightyear. She had the doll. How old was she about? Six. My theater, when I bought my ticket a couple hours before the showing, I was the only ticket at a 6 p.m. weeknight showing on the XD screen. When I got there... A couple of families had shown up. Usually there were thruples, two parents, one kid, just kind of scattered around the audience. But I think there was a total of 10 of us. Yeah, my screening was not well attended. Of course, I went at a weird time because we're doing this late. 
I went on the Monday after the weekend it opened because I had Juneteenth observed off of work. So my wife and I went to a yeah pretty empty theater. Yeah, it seems to be that this one is not making the numbers here in America or abroad. It's surprising. I even tried to look at the merchandising tie-in. Are there toys? Are there fast food tie-ins? Oh, I had to look up every Sox toy because, spoiler, my wife's favorite thing in this film. Yeah, I think it might be everyone's favorite thing in this film. But I want to just say, I have no problem with the woke-ass agenda of this movie, but the woke-ass breakfast cereal, I was furious. (laughs) I bought Lightyear... A cereal that you'd figure would just be like the marshmallow sugar affair that like all kitty cereals are. <laughs> they tried to make it nutritious. <laughs> this thing tasted like Rice Krispies with like one or two tiny little marshmallows in it of like moons and stuff. I think they really were like worried that kids were getting too much sugar consumption. <laughs> and I'm like, no. When I buy a kid cereal, I want a high that lasts me all morning long. <laughs> I was really excited for that cereal, too, hearkening back to the days of Mr. T cereal. I keep waiting for that honey-touched confection to come out under another name. <laughs> hmm Yeah, well, it ain't light year. I'm here to tell you. But I did almost buy a couple of these toys. Those Zerg robots and their color of yellow make perfect aim bots for to put around your modok and your aim troopers if you're a marvel collector <laughs> and so i re- a lot of marvel collectors are posting on facebook their collections with those robots in it and it looks so perfect i could just maybe airbrush an aim logo over the zerg z or something but i decided no no i don't need projects and i don't need toys to pretend they're in my toy line but i was well aware of the different scales of robot toys, the different action features, which could be hidden, which couldn't. Months ago, they really were merchandising this long before the film came out. Okay, so there was a presence on toy shelves and there was an effort because it just felt like to me, maybe they did think about putting this to streaming. Maybe they did think about just diminishing the promotional push of this because I didn't hear much about it and I didn't see many people there and I'm not sure that it's going to make it to infinity and beyond. Let me just put it that way. Of all the movies to make that you know China won't take for less than one second of footage, this wasn't the one. It might need Chinese dollars to break even. This cost $200 million. Mm. And it looks it, but let's get into it. I mean, we are here to talk about what we think of the movie. Arnie, give him the plot to Lightyear. In Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear is not a kid's toy, but an actual space ranger in Star Command, voiced by Chris Evans. When the movie opens, Buzz, along with numerous scientists and other rangers, are in cryosleep on their way back to Earth. Buzz and his fellow ranger, Alicia Hawthorne, are woken up to explore a planet that may have useful resources. With them is a rookie ranger with an unpronounceable name, and Buzz wants nothing to do with the up-and-comer. The planet turns out to be hostile, and, while Buzz is trying to pilot an escape, the vessel is damaged. Its entire crew is stranded on this world full of attacking bugs and plants. Buzz blames himself for the crew being marooned, so he takes it upon himself to test new hyperspace fuels. If he finds one that can take them to light speed, it will enable the crew to return home. Each test fails but each also has a cost. As Budge approaches light speed, time slows down for him. Remember Interstellar? It's basically that. Each flight test takes minutes for him, but when he returns to the planet, years have passed. He continues test after test as Hawthorne grows old, gets married, has a child, and dies. 
After Hawthorne's passing, the new commanding officer tells Buzz the hyperspeed tests are cancelled, the crew has decided to erect a shield and just stay on the planet. Which sort of makes sense as they'd been there like 70 years at this point. Outraged, Buzz steals the ship and, accompanied by his emotional support robot Cat Socks, Buzz makes one last flight. He achieves hyperspeed, but when he lands, there's no ceremony. The colony is under attack by a group of robots, which can only say, Zerg. Buzz finds a ragtag group of the colony's defense forces, who are highly inexperienced. The group is ex-convict Darby Steele, clumsy Moe Morrison, voiced by Taika Waititi, and Izzy Hawthorne, Alicia's now-adult granddaughter. Buzz tries to send the three away to safety while he attacks Zerg and the robots, but to Buzz's frustration, the trio insist on helping. Despite the fact they save his life several times, Buzz is still reluctant to work with these rookies. Through encounter after encounter, though, Buzz starts to realize he can't do it alone, and these rookies are just like he was when he first entered Star Command. In a battle with the robots, Buzz is captured and taken to meet Zerg, who turns out to be an older version of Buzz himself. When Buzz went to hyperspeed, one Buzz landed on the planet... I think that's how it worked. He, like, split in two, like, the evil Kirk episode of Star Trek. And so the one that landed on the planet was arrested for stealing the spaceship. So before he could be apprehended, he fled to hyperspeed into the far future, built a robot army, then used hyperspeed to travel back in time because he still wants to get the hyperfuel and finish his mission. The current Buzz tries to reason with his older self, but Zerg is bent on destruction, and if Buzz won't join, then he'll be killed. With help from the rookies, Buzz escapes and sabotages Zerg's ship, which powers down all the Zerg robots. To finally defeat Zerg, Buzz must destroy the hyperfuel that would take the colonists home, thus relegating himself and the colony to life on this hostile planet. Buzz is declared a hero for defeating Zerg, and the commander tells Buzz to start a new Star Ranger Corps. Buzz does, but rather than picking the experienced soldiers for his crew, he picks the three losers who aided him in his battle against Zerg. The four board a ship to explore infinity and beyond as credits roll. And I just want to put out there right now, this is the basic plot of Buzz Lightyear of Star Command The Adventure Begins! That entire thing is Buzz versus Zerg. Buzz does not want a partner. Buzz insists on working alone. Some losers team up with Buzz. Buzz doesn't want their help. Buzz ends up needing their help to be rescued from Zerg. And then at the end, when he starts a new core, it's filled with the losers. I'm like, you did a remake here. You did a big budget remake of a made-for-TV animated film. Yeah, but I, I feel like they also stuck to his character. Like, I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, Buzz, conceited jerk. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that vibe off of him here. Well, let's just start with the beginning. They clarify what we're watching. In 1995, Andy got a Buzz Lightyear doll from his favorite movie. And so we are actually watching a movie from 1995. That is what we are to understand. It's a movie Andy saw in 95. The directors come out and said this movie was actually envisioned as coming out in the 80s. And it's something Andy would watch repeatedly on VHS, but it's not something he would see new in theaters. Hence why there's an Atari logo and hence why there's a joke about blowing on a Nintendo cartridge. Yeah, I was wondering about that one. I'm like, what kids get that? 
Okay, that all right, you're helping me because I was like, this doesn't feel like a movie from if if anything, there are two references all over this, and that's Star Wars and Terminator. Specifically Terminator, because it's about killer robots going back in time and making a woman and her child not exist. Yeah, and Star Wars, because Buzz will wear an X-Wing outfit at one point. And Alien, and 2001 A Space Odyssey. This thing is nothing but a series of homages. Yeah, yeah, some of them are small. I get, yes, there are scenes that will make you think about sci-fi movies. But by and large... Again, if I thought about a movie that a kid would enjoy, and I took it to mean if there was a new doll of it, that it would be a new movie in theaters in 1995, that this would be, yes, a parody of Terminator or alien invasion movies of that time period. But it really doesn't have that quality. Keep in mind, Kenner started a new Star Wars line that I was collecting in 1995, and there hadn't been a new movie since 1983. So that's actually not too far removed from reality. Okay, but let's accept the premise that this is a movie within a movie, which is kind of weird, right? But that's what it is. And we have a Buzz Lightyear that has hair and looks human, and they've visually taken what we know to be that blocky original CGI guy in the suit and made him look like a very convincing human being. So this would be a live-action movie, then, for CGI humans in the Toy Story world. That's what's killing me. Is is this an animated movie? I take it as, we're. it's so good that we're to accept this as flesh-and-blood actor. That's my take, anyway, is that that's what they're saying. We're now able to replicate the uh, visuals and technical prowess of a 1995 sci-fi movie. Or, as you say, an 80s movie that was still popular in 1995. And they do reintroduce Buzz here very much like they do in Toy Story. They play coy. You've got the ship with everyone asleep and the ship itself registers there's something on a planet that should be seen. And so it wakes up a couple of people. I'm thinking alien. Yeah, definitely alien. (laughs) And we see out of focus or we see the hands of Lightyear. But when we are finally going to see Lightyear, it's a pan from the feet to his head, just like how he was introduced in the original Toy Story, and he makes the log about no intelligent life and the ground isn't entirely stable, just like he did in the original Toy Story. Yeah, they want to do this cool optical illusion in which you both see the buzz that you know from the previous movies and see him in an entirely new human way. And I think they pull that off. This movie looks great. And yeah, I like the way that it captures everything we know about Buzz, but gives him new dimension. Should it have been Tim Allen? I'll just say this. I wasn't thinking about the voice performance. He's a 70-year-old man. (laughs) Could it have been? Sure. But if you're, as Arnie alludes to, if this is the first of many Lightyear movies, why wouldn't you get a younger actor who has more cachet with a younger fan base? Yeah, the toys always have a voice box that sound nothing like what the characters sounded like in the movie. So, like, I don't know what the big deal is. Yeah, I remember talking to some of the guys at Hasbro, and there were official actors who did fake voices for toys because the real actors wouldn't do them. So I'm actually really cool 
with it not being Tim Allen. And like you said, Jacob, I think that it would look weird to have a 70-year-old man's voice coming out of here. I mean, voiceover actors are great and can do a lot of things, but from what I've seen of Tim Allen in the past few years, his voice has gruffened. I like having Chris Evans here, and I want to compliment him because he's not doing a Captain America. You could see hiring him because Captain America is the Dudley Do-Right, Goody Two-Shoes, stalwart, follow the book, and... Buzz Lightyear is built in that same mold, but through tone, through inflection, through pitching his voice differently, only one line did I think sounded like Captain America. The rest of the time, he was a totally new character with his voice, and so I thought he did great. Yeah, I had a hard time placing him because I'm like, I was expecting Captain America, like you said. I I kept waiting for that, you know, the way he just delivers those lines, and you don't really get that. He's doing something different, so I guess that's good. You don't want to be typecast as Captain Captain America, I guess. Yeah, I think it's fine. Again, much like the animation work, it both harkens back to the way we think of Buzz Lightyear sounding and carrying on in a new way that is just fine with me. But yeah, I mean, I take it to mean that we're meeting a character we haven't ever met before. That's the way I'm taking it. It's not an adaptation of Tim Allen's work. It is the same name and going with it in a whole new way. And again, you have the freedom because it's also a period piece, because it's set in the productions of another movie's era, then, yeah, you could play with that in terms of nostalgia. You're not thinking about old toys. You're thinking about old special effects and old sci-fi movies. They don't commit to it, though, do they? I mean, it's a CG movie emulating real movie, but it's not like you ever see the strings or the mat boxes here. When they want to have a robot that isn't super futuristic, when they want to have a speak and spell or a Nintendo joke, they're going to do that. But it's not like a lot of these special effects could have been realized well in the 80s on a budget that an 80s, any 80s movie would be made as. I mean, I think the record holder became the abyss, and that was, what, 150 or so? I mean, maybe people would have gone to this if it was a DreamWorks thing, if it was like Shrek, because, yeah, that's always getting meta and poking fun at itself and bringing on all those references and jokes. I feel like this is played pretty straight here. Like, we're going to get a big action scene at the beginning here, and it, it's, like, not funny. It's just, it's an action scene. Mmm, not funny. Let's. I mean, unless you find those vines funny. I mean, let's just spend a moment on that. A Toy Story, again, worked for both kids and adults. It had smart writing. They brought in writers that could make those kinds of clever, work-on-all-level kind of humor. And here, it really does feel like this movie only plays to young kids. The moralizing of the messages, the fact that they set up here the obvious conflict of Buzz thinks he can do it all and leaves because he won't listen to an autopilot and he won't listen to a rookie. He crashes the whole ship and has to spend the whole movie atoning for that. All of this is the kind of moralizing I would expect in a straight-to-tape kids movie, but not a Toy Story movie. I want to really underline a word you said, obvious. That is what was hitting me over the head with him not wanting to talk to the rookie. I mean, just blatantly saying, I don't like working with rookies. And I'm like, oh boy, there's the character arc. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. But by the end of this movie, he's going to be working with a rookie and he's going to come to realize that he can rely on people with different skill sets than himself. And yes, that did make me think this was pitched 
young. Yeah, and it's not a problem to have an obvious theme, but I would expect a Pixar movie to have other layers. I would expect, and I think they do get there eventually, they are going to talk about the generational angst that they always do about an old buzz versus a young buzz. But we don't start there again. When I think about the jokes and the the storyline and, and what happens in this movie, there just wasn't a lot here for me. This is a Saturday morning cartoon that's been put up on the movie screen. A very expensive Saturday morning cartoon. Yes. A great-looking Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. But you talk about that critical six-year-old in your screening. Like, I'm wondering, is this even entertaining to kids? Because, again, no laughing. I don't laugh until Sock shoots a tranquilizer dart out of its mouth. And that's well into the film. Like, even for kids, I I think they'd want to have some fun. And I just... I don't ever feel like this is fun. In Toy Story 3, we get that huge opening action scene with the train and everything. And like, I'm so into that. And this, I'm just like, yeah, it's a CGI cartoon. Like, there's nothing special about this. I feel like they're trying to have some humor. Like when the techs are constantly getting wrapped around with vines and yanked away. It's feeling like it's trying to be slapsticky, but it's not entirely working. They're trying to set up a fairly serious premise here. Again, you mentioned Star Wars, and while Star Wars definitely has its humorous moments, I think that there's also a lot of serious sci-fi, and I feel that's the balance this movie is trying to strike. And again, just to underline the point that this doesn't feel like an old movie, yes, the side character that Buzz is partnered with is a black lesbian who was not on screen in the 80s or 90s in sci-fi movies. That is a progressive movement that has only really happened in the last 20 years. Five years, maybe. It really does break my mind to try to picture this movie, this exact movie, with live action coming out in the 80s. I'm like, who produced it? (laughs) Yeah, it's tone deaf to the time, which, again, maybe isn't a problem for people that just want to enjoy literally what's happening on screen. But Toy Story is smarter than that. Toy Story is all about the nuances of nostalgia. And again, this concept isn't working for me that I'm watching an old movie. That was just failing. And I also just think Alicia is kind of a flat character. She isn't Woody. And so she doesn't get out of buzz the chemistry that I've come to love in the Toy Story movies. Here's where I realized this movie lacked some Pixar mojo. I'm enjoying the montage of Buzz trying to get the right hyperfuel. I like him going to space again and again, but when he comes back to Earth, we do see Alicia's story there. We get to see that she got engaged, and Buzz is like, oh, to somebody you've only known a few days? No, we've been here for years. Then she gets married, then she has a son, and she's growing older, and all I'm thinking is, up this ain't. When Alicia dies, I am not moved to tears. When Up, that opening, I had to pause it. I had to stop that movie and compose myself because that is one of the most effective shorts in the world to just break your heart. And this, I was like, okay, she dead. Yeah, Pixar made a film about dogs who fly airplanes and people are bawling during the first 10 minutes of it. Like, that is the magic that is gone. That is what is missing here. And I haven't felt in their last few, but I really feel it missing here is it feels so moralized at the beginning. Like, this is what Buzz has to learn by the end of the film. And then, yeah, like, we're, we're going to have these moments, but I just, I don't feel the emotion there. And part of that is because these characters don't feel connected. 
Like, again, if you have a selfish individual that believes they're the only one that's important, he's not going to have a best friend. You know, they're not going to have this relationship that they're going to pretend that they have here as they get started in Act 2. Yes, this should be great. This should be the sequel to Up. I mean, maybe if it were like Buzz's partner or something like that, we would get more feeling out of it. But because they're just, quote unquote, good friends, it doesn't have resonance. The whole problem here is a little bit difficult for me to understand on my first viewing. It took me a while to really understand that what Buzz was doing was just guessing at mixtures of elements to create a fuel, and he had to get the right mixture in order to create hyperspeed. I'm thinking nobody has ever gone to hyperspeed before. That's why they were putting them all to sleep in cryo sleep, right? Well, no, they had it. It got broken when the turnip, as they call this big ship, crashed. It's like this crystal that gets made and but they always had hyperspeed that's the weird thing for me is like yes he goes on that first mission and finds four years have passed and he's like i don't know i don't know if i could lose another four years i'm like it's only four years you're marooned on the planet like matt damon had more spirit than you did in the martian like it's not like interstellar where now your kids are as old as you well no i definitely think that buzz has guilt he's supposed to be the one that gets everything right and he's the reason everyone's lives are ruined in his mind They have to live on an inhospitable planet. If it had been a good planet, they would have colonized it, and everyone would have been happy to have a new Earth. But it's covered in awful vines and flying insects, and it seems, from his vantage point, that he's doomed them. And so he's going to spend his entire life trying to get back to that moment and fix it so that he can be a hero again. It's his narcissism that keeps him stuck in this moment. Meanwhile, everyone else is just adapting and saying life throws you curveballs, drink the lemonade, and we'll go ahead and have a good life here anyway. There's an autopilot that could have got them off, and he's like, I don't need no autopilot. He might not have needed that rookie, but he definitely needed the autopilot to clear the mountain. And because he insisted on doing it manually, the ship got clipped. So it's on him. I do think he's right to feel that guilt. And he would keep doing this forever, except Alicia does eventually die of old age. And we have Commander Burnside coming in. Isaiah Whitlock. You guys know this actor? I love him from The Wire. The name doesn't ring a bell, and I didn't watch The Wire. Yeah, he does Spike Lee movies as well. But I just love hearing his voice here. I recognize him instantly. But is it realistic that all of a sudden he wouldn't allow Buzz, who now has the formula, to try one more time? Like, this feels convenient, that Buzz has to steal the ship and go rogue. Yeah, they, they make Burnside kind of this evil character, and because I know some of the, you know, Buzz Lightyear lore, we all know about Zerg, I'm like, oh, okay, is he going to become Zerg eventually? Like, I'm trying to figure out how do we get to that point where, yeah, we get to Buzz Lightyear the toy and we, we know all about it. So, because they play him so bad, like, I thought he was going to be the big bad guy for the rest of the film. I can honestly tell you, I couldn't remember anything about... Again, I was thinking Patrick Warburton did the voice. (laughs) I could remember Zerg. That wasn't something that stood out to me. And in fact... From the four movies, tell me, what of Zerg did we see? Does anyone remember? Oh, he was like the big thing in the second one. Like the whole climax is fighting off a Zerg toy. And it is such a Darth Vader ripoff. I mean, you mentioned Star Wars. Yeah. And Buzz Lightyear is clearly in that mold. And Zerg with his face mask is definitely Vader. And we hear the line, Buzz, I am your father. So it is in Toy Story canon 
that Zerg is Buzz's father, and the director of this film, Angus McLean, talked about that and is like, we know it's canon, and we just couldn't make it work dramatically. What made it work dramatically was older Buzz. Were people really upset with that? Like, I thought that was a joke line when I heard it originally. Well, it was, but... Yeah, it is a joke line. The character's a joke. Yeah, I I agree. The whole premise, the idea that you, again, spoofing Star Wars. I remember these details just very vaguely, but I don't remember them being a big part of any Toy Story. So they weren't to me. You're a Woody guy, quite clearly. No, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I remember Buzz seeing the commercial and realizing he's a toy and being crushed, but I don't remember Zerg in that. It didn't seem that important. And again, you could have had a movie without Zerg and I would have been fine with it. Well, to go back to what Jacob's wife said, if this were a movie in the 80s, or now, or any time in between, who would want a Buzz Lightyear figure? Everyone would want a Socks, right? Oh, yeah. My wife turns to me as soon as Socks appears. She's like, now this movie has my interest. And like, we had to look up toys. You can get a life-size one, a vinyl. It's not a robot, but it's life-size and it's 400 bucks. Ooh, it better pilot my ship for that. I know. It's tail glows in the dark. That's the biggest piece of tech in it. I can get the appeal of this. Yes. And it is uh, true. There always was this kind of thing. Doctor Who had K-9 or Battlestar Galactica. They had... That dog that was a robot. That dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The old one, I mean. I don't know about the newer one. But the nostalgia pieces, the idea of a robot pet was something very enticing for children in the 80s. I wanted one. And so socks is totally something that any kid of the 80s or probably kid of now would want. And yet I find myself thinking that this is Disney Pixar rehashing based on the voice and the fact that this is a emotional support pet. Baymax, right? Yes, Baymax. I just thought for sure this whole thing felt like a Baymax redo. And the voice did make me think of Baymax. Are you talking about that white fluffy thing from whatever that stupid superhero movie was? Yes, in Big Hero 6. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge breakout character that's getting its third television series coming up. Wow. Okay, hadn't thought about that movie since it came out, what, five years ago, at least. Big hit for them on TV. It didn't do great at the box office, but it has its own life in small screen. So that's why he was on my mind at all, and why I felt like Sox is a second-rate Baymax. I don't think Sox is going to save this movie if it's not working, but I do think he's an asset. And I do think that if you're going to have a movie built around Buzz Lightyear, you better give him an interesting foil. Alicia wasn't it. They're saying Alicia is the heart. We had Buzz crying at the hologram of her death. But I do believe that the emotional connection that he forms here is with this cat. And the cat figures out everything. Like, the cat figures out the formula after 60 years. The cat knows what's going to work, and it does. Like, Buzz gets up there, and it's 100% stable when they go around the sun. Except the formula was lost. That's the biggest contrivance of this film. And don't get me wrong, I'm having a good time with this film at this point. It's a good enough time. It's affable. But when the robot cat can't remember the formula, and the data gets lost as to what was in this specific mix, giving us a one-of-a-kind MacGuffin that it'll apparently take 70 more years for the cat to figure out. I had to roll my eyes a little bit. 
Oh, yeah, no, I folded my arms as a grumpy guy. Like, no, I didn't like that. Like, the cat just got it in its memory banks. Like, what kind of useless robot is this that I can't remember? I mean, it's an 80s robot, so I could see that. Who is thinking of the 80s? I know, like, that's what this is supposed to be, but I'm never thinking of the 80s. I don't think any kid is thinking of the 80s during this. I'm not going to get into, like, how much RAM a robot cat can have in the <laughs> 80s. I mean, he is basically a kitten Teddy Ruxpin, right? Again, these references that you're talking about would mean that this is appealing for 30, 40-year-olds who play with those toys. I don't think this movie is made for us. I think the people that will find this charming are the ones that don't even know what was in the 1980s. This is for that six-year-old girl. It is a rudimentary kitty adventure. And it's to my disappointment that there is nothing here for me. But when Buzz lands here, this is when we get that Dagobah like reference. He's got that orange suit on. It looks like a swamp he's landed in. And he is going to lose a ship. It's not going to sink. But a robot's going to pop up and shoot it. Zyclops is what they're called. I don't remember if this was also in Toy Story 2. But they're saying that there's all these yellow robots that are minions of Zerg. They all say Zerg. There's a mothership where Zerg presumably is living and, and waiting an attack. Yes, those robots were in Toy Story 2 in a video game that Buzz is playing, I think at the beginning of that movie, where we see a Buzz Lightyear video game, they're fighting off these robots. Well, yeah, they're obviously building now towards whatever they've alluded to before, but it's not clear to me why the other human colonists are not involved. We'll find out that there's this rogue squadron of losers, Operation Surprise Party, but Burnside and, and the other thousand colonists they're in the dome and we don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, they just put up a shield and like robots have surrounded it or trying to break in. This movie has an incredibly small cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they land on this planet, we hear in the mission log that the scientists are asleep. I don't think we ever meet one of the scientists. That there's this huge turn up that is supposed to be filled I assume at least dozens, if not hundreds of people on there. They gave us the number. It's 1,200 people. Okay. So when the cast list rolled at the end of the movie, it really drove home to me that we have like nine speaking parts, and one of them is Bill Hader as the rookie from the first scene. Yeah, the first five minutes (laughs) of the film. But no John Ratzenberger. He is sitting this one out. It may be... You can't have John Ratzenberger if he was voicing a toy in the movie. But he's in, like, every Pixar film. I know. I felt like he was missing. Yeah, they've shrank the cast down to a few misfits. Basically, they're trying to insist that Alicia Matters, she was the grandmother of this child, Izzy, who's trying to live up to her reputation, which, again, she had none. But uh, we're we're just told in dialogue (laughs) that she was an amazing space ranger that was Buzz's best friend. The kind of problem that Pixar usually never puts up on screen. They are usually so great at human relationships and the feels. And so it's really surprising to me that they have these cardboard cutout characters and they're going with tropes instead of genuine connections. I disagree that Alicia didn't matter. I mean, she was the commanding officer of the base. I did take her as Buzz's partner in some regards, in addition to friend, because the two of them went out together on that first mission, even if they did have to bring a rookie along too. You felt that? I mean, I understand they told us that. Yeah, you could understand the words, but I don't care about her. Yeah, no, I'm not confused that that this is the relationship. I'm not feeling it. 
they do a finger bump thing. That's the one thing that tells them they have this long-standing relationship. This, you know, kind of like a fist bump, only smaller. That's the whole relationship right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. At no point does this movie make me emotionally involved the way Toy Story did. Right. And the way the beginning of Up did. And the way the best Pixar movies, not all Pixar movies, the best Pixar movies have done. It had a reputation for doing this. There might, yeah, there's those Cars films that I will never watch, but they had a reputation. Like, yeah, they're not always perfect, but look, you got a rat controlling a dude by pulling his hair. I'm emotionally invested in that film, surprisingly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, they could pull that kind of weird stuff off. You're right. I haven't seen every Pixar movie, so I shouldn't say everyone, but I think their reputation is pretty strong. Their brand is was strong. better than Disney. All right. Maybe it's a was, but I'll just still use present tense. In my mind, they were better than Disney because they could make me cry. And that's what I'm not feeling. Not every movie is going to be a Toy Story. The Toy Stories have mostly been strong recommends across the board. The question is, can they make a serviceable movie at this point? That's where I'm at. Can they pass my time or make something that I believe kids would really enjoy? Or are they really just going to crash the turnip? See, that's not where I'm at. I'm just going to put it out there. Toy Story was better than that. I'm not, what would a kid like? What will work in the ways that their mastery of all audience entertainment and the past has served them? And it's not here. It's pretty evident by this point when we're meeting the granddaughter that the relationships have not been plugged in. But that's an unfair bar to hold this movie to. I don't know why. I mean, it's not just like Toy Story movies. We've only covered a few, but Incredibles movies, Up, Ratatouille. I can name 12 movies that are great. And that they are great at all of this stuff. That doesn't mean they can't make a serviceable film, though. If it's not great, but it's serviceable, if you'd give it a pass from a different studio, then you can't hold this to a higher standard just because the studio had hits in the past that did better. Sure, why are you mad at mediocre Star Wars movies, Arnie? Like, I mean, because you care. Because you want them to be great. Yeah, I think the average person, if, if they were being told, hey, you're going to go see a Toy Story movie, they're going to have certain expectations uh, about an emotional reaction to it. Yeah, same with me. That is what this franchise has proved to be. Like, look, we review all kinds of franchises and some like, yeah, the, the franchise is so bad, we'll just give this one a pass because it's not horrible. Like the rest, like we always grade on a curve and mm-hmm. they want to be a Toy Story movie. That's what they're telling us, a Pixar Toy Story movie. And so I have expectations. This is a fundamental difference between our viewpoints then, because at no point did I think of this as Toy Story. At no point, I saw it always as a spinoff that would be its own thing. It doesn't say Toy Story on the poster, and so I came into this as this is a new Pixar thing to be judged as such, not Toy Story 5. Okay, if this is a new Pixar thing... Again, Pixar brings certain connotations to it. That's what I'm saying. Forget that it's not Toy Story. It's not Bugs Life. Yeah. It's not even second tier. Like, this is a flat movie. This is a movie that has very little, if any, characterization to it. Why are you selling them so short, Arnie? They've made such great movies. They did, but not every at-bat has to be a home run in order to score. And on base is still okay. It's got to get on base. And they're not on base, is what I'm saying. I'm not feeling anything about anybody on screen. 
Okay, because it just seems like you're comparing it against the Babe Ruths of animated films. And I'm like, again, it's getting on base for me. For me, Arnie, I go back to that saying like, yeah, is it good for a kid's movie? Sure, but kids like to eat their own shit too. Like that's a (laughs) saying you like to throw out there. And so like, I got to have some kind of response to this. Like, even if it's a kid's movie, like because it's Pixar, I'm going to come in. Like they make movies that appeal to adults. Yeah, do you like any of this crew that blows in? You love Taika Waititi, maybe you like Orange is the New Black. Like, these people have lots of quote-unquote character, but they don't have chemistry together. Like, they feel emailed into this uninvolving storyline. It's funny you say that, Stuart, like you feel like there's no connection between these characters because I was watching this. I'm like, this feels like a bunch of voice actors that are just in the booth by themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that's how they do it today, but it feels like they are not reacting off of anyone. Yeah. When you see the filming of Toy Story, you always see Tim Allen and Tom Hanks in the booth together riffing, giving each other that energy. This, I did see an interview with Taika Waititi a little while ago. It was one of those wired, the internet's most common questions. (laughs) And one of the common questions was, what character is Taika Waititi playing in Lightyear? And he's like, I don't remember the name of the character. I probably should. I have no idea. In fact, if it wasn't for IMDb trivia telling me that he's Mo Morrison as a tribute to Tamura Morrison, another Kiwi actor, I wouldn't know his name either. But yes, these are comic relief characters here to play against the stalwart Lightyear. Now, you said Orange is the New Black. Is that the ex-convict here? Yeah. I don't know the voice actress. Oh, I did look her up, but she sounded like one of the two old bailiffs from Night Court or George Costanza's mother on Seinfeld. She just had this pinch, nasally voice that made me think she was like a 75-year-old woman. That is a 75-year-old woman. Well, then I was right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got you nailed it. But yeah, I mean, again, kind of funny, theoretically funny that one's like on house arrest and can't hold guns because they're, you know, don't want to jeopardize their parole. One's a klutz and can't fire their gun right. We get how that could turn into comedy, but as demonstrated in this movie, it's all theoretical. I don't laugh. I laugh a little bit only at a couple of things. First, that seemed like Taika Waititi just completely doing himself, like ad-libbing in the booth. And second of all, when he's fidgeting with that pen, I'm a natural-born fidgeter. And if you gave me an outfit with a click-in, click-out pen, I'd be clicking that thing nonstop to the annoyance of everyone around me. (laughs) Yeah, that is his big character arc. He gets to use his pen finally. Again, what I'm hearing you say is that this is good enough. That when we have this middle act where they're just kind of running around saying, oh, we need a ship, we need a crystal, and doing not very involving things. And now this is the worst part of the movie. When the comic relief shows up? I don't know about you guys. I found this section where Buzz is trying to get rid of them and trying to make them hide, and we have adventure after adventure. I feel like it's high action enough where kids would stay invested because it's like a series of shorts put together, but... I'm having trouble with it maintaining my interest during this portion. Yeah, for me, it just starts getting real repetitive with that moral they got to teach you. Like, Buzz, I got to be alone. And then he's going to have to end up working with them. And like, okay, this time we're really breaking up. And then he's got to work with them again. This time we're really, really breaking up. Like, it just, that motif just over and over. Yeah, when they get to the final thing is like they have to, they're in these 
bizarre prison cones and they need him to join so they can all hit it together. And I'm like, yeah, you've written for a level that's too low. This is not up to Pixar level. This is for the Saturday morning cartoon of Lightyear that only the children were going to watch. But you made a movie that whole families are supposed to enjoy and you're not serving them. Yeah, I tend to agree here that this portion specifically feels very phoned in. And when they have their moments of bonding that are immediately undone, it is lesser than I want it to be. But Socks the Cat keeps bringing me back. Anytime you cut to that cat, I I chuckle. Again, it's something to keep it airborne. I'm not saying that this is crashing and burning. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I'm saying I'm shocked. Because I had faith in Pixar to do better. I'm disappointed. Crushed, really, that Toy Story isn't here. But there's a chance to get back to it. Again, what I love, what makes a Toy Story movie a Toy Story movie, is the way that it can talk about the aging developmental process. You know, like, once we get Zerg back into this, and he kidnaps Buzz, and we find out that there are two versions of himself... It is an opportunity to talk about aging, right? Like, there could be something in here. This idea of erasing the past and going back in time could be the heart-tugging thing that works. I don't know why they didn't keep Chris Evans as the voice. They brought in James Brolin. I at first thought it was Josh Brolin again. I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, how many people are we going to have from Marvel here? Taika, Chris Evans. But apparently at the premiere is the first time Chris Evans and James Brolin met and Chris apologized for beating up James's son. <laughs> and I was willing to give this film a mulligan. Like if they could get something real emotional about aging or failure with this reveal of the old Buzz Lightyear, I would have been totally totally back into it but it doesn't go there yes that recommend was writing on the idea of course correction in the same way that he had to jerry rig something to blow himself back into course this movie could do it if they get to a space talking about fathers and sons or reliving the past or something but i don't know like what's what's the feels here that you don't want to go back in time and erase alicia's family why is this suddenly about alicia this is about what Buzz has learned is that people are more important than the mission. When Buzz did everything he did, he was doing it all for the mission and left people behind, didn't get to enjoy life with his friend, didn't get to see her child grow up, and it's because he was so focused on the mission. And this is telling us, a bit ham-fistedly, that now Buzz realizes the mission is second to the people. Yeah, but why would he realize that? Because it's we're going into the third act? Because if the character is all about, I wanted to fix this moment, he should be happy to go back in time and do it. In fact, that's why one version of him is. But I guess the other version has been playing around with these F-troop space rangers, and we're supposed to believe because of his love for Izzy. It all comes down to the granddaughter and the fact that he starts to realize this granddaughter wouldn't exist if he had fixed the mission. Right. But if you're going to go down that road, if he had fixed the mission, there would be other kids that aren't going to exist. I mean, like, life is all about making these kinds of choices. You cut off branches to other timelines every time you do something. So, I mean, we've lived through Loki and Doctor Strange and Madness of the Multiverse. Like, yeah, I do feel like these concepts are real ripe right now in film and they don't do much with it. Yeah, no, what they told us was this was about a self-absorbed character who needed to learn to work as a unit 
And all that stuff about working as a unit was super clumsy and unconvincing. And now we're supposed to believe that he loves that unit so much that he doesn't want them to be wiped out by going back in time. I call bullshit. And if this, <laughs> we've been arguing that this is maybe only entertaining for six-year-olds, are they even following it, the, the movie at this point? I think that's a good point, too, is that up to this point, kids are really going to enjoy, because it's such a spectacular show. Like, this thing looks amazing, even if it's not giving you the feels, you know, visually sumptuous. But I don't think that this makes any sense. In the end, it does feel like a Star Wars joke that like, I'm not your father, I'm you or something like that. And all of this, we split off 50 years ago kind of stuff. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I'll just forget the kids. Yeah. I don't know why there's two buzzes here, but I just kind of shrug and go with it. Watching this in a theater, I cannot rewind and write down every line he says to parse it out. Yeah, it's difficult and... It becomes more about the action, and fortunately, it is good-looking film. It is the best-looking animated CGI I've ever seen with the smoke effects, with the lighting, with the fact that everything that it does feels effortless. Like, they can do anything, like have highlights on Buzz's eyes as he's piloting a ship, the explosions look completely natural, all of it seems so well done that... The action works for me better than most animated films action does. Well, okay. It looks better than most animated action. It's not as exciting as some other animation movies, because who cares? I mean, that's what I would always argue. You can't buy your way into audience empathy. Like, it can't just be good looking. It has to make you feel something. There could be an animated film where I care about the characters and once the fight starts, I'm bored as hell because I just don't get into the animation. Whereas here, this feels more visceral to me. And while I may not care about the characters as much, I am impressed with the action and visuals going on here. Yeah, impressed, but do you care? Are you adrenalized? Because I'm impressed too. Like that movie Soul, it's amazing the things they do with fingers, the way they bend in that movie. Like it looks great kind of fall short though so like yeah this it looks great but i'm not swept up like i've been swept up in the emotion of lesser cartoons like that are real choppy and don't look this beautiful like there's no emotion here which is killing it for me i have a test and it's something i try whenever i'm struggling about how i feel about something it's called my inside man test Spike Lee made a movie about 15 years ago, a crime heist, bank heist thing with Denzel and Jodie Foster. I went to see it in the theaters, and halfway through, it broke down. And they said, sorry, everyone, we're not going to be able to show it. Here's passes. You can come back. Would you come back to watch the movie? Were you having a good enough time that you actually cared how the thing ended? I can tell you, Lightyear, if we weren't doing this review and the projector broke down, I would not come back to watch Izzy conquer her fears of space or the other two build bombs and do something in air ducts or whatever. Like, I care so little that I wouldn't want to know how it turned out. I wouldn't want to sit through this again to find out. It's funny you have an inside man test because I called that, for me, Passion of the Christ because that happened to me. I'm like, nah, I don't need to finish that movie. I'll use that voucher for another movie. And for the record, I did go back to Inside Man, but I had to ask myself. <laughs> you know me, I drove five hours to finish a play that I thought had ended and it turned out there was a second act and I didn't even enjoy all that much. You're a completionist. <laughs> I would be tormented 
with what if it got really good at the end? It's too late at this point. <laughs> You've never not finished a movie? You've certainly not finished TV series. Like, to me, it's the kind of the same thing. There must be some times when you give up. Usually with TV series, I fall away like it just becomes deprioritized. And that's easier to do because it's week by week. You never make the choice to stop. You just think that you'll get to it and don't. Yeah, and then I realize I just don't want to eventually. Mm -hmm. Movies... There have been a couple of instances where I've turned it off. I'll kill you guys. My dinner with Andre. (laughs) (laughs) Boring movie. (laughs) Well, I mean, I get that. Yeah. I mean, it is more of the same if you're not into the conversation. What it was, was it wasn't the movie for me that night. I didn't quite know what the movie was. And when I realized what it was, I'm like, I'll go back to it. But that's one of the few instances where I've even turned off a movie in the middle and not ridden it out till the end. Ride or die. No. So there's not an option for you. Completing the mission is true for Buzz (laughs) and it's true for Arnie. You would finish this. If it broke down, you would come back the next day. Maybe. Or at least you tell yourself you would. I would probably go back even without now playing because I'd have to finish where it was going and having a good enough time to want to see the second half. I'm not going to be dying if I didn't. You you would sit through this first hour again to get back here. Yeah, that's you would watch this again to get to find out what happened. Yeah. Okay. I can't say I'm there. And again, I'm not I hope this doesn't come off as hate. It's not hate. It's ambivalence. Yeah, for me, I'm semi-ambivalent myself, but I think I'm just on the other side of the coin from you. But we're not that far apart. I just, I didn't dislike it, and I found it diverting. And again, any time that I felt things were lulling, they'd go back to the cat. And I I do love that cat. I'm with Jacob's wife on that. Can't wait for the Sox Disney Plus show. Yeah, it's this movie's forky. So, I don't know. In the end, the point seems to be that Buzz makes the choice to destroy the crystal, preventing them from ever getting off the planet, but also preventing Zerg himself from ever going back in time. Yeah, Stuart, aren't you, like, cheering when Buzz ejects, and then he has the wings from the toy, like in Toy Story, and he does the flying thing like he does in Toy Story? I don't know, maybe there's some millennials that were, like, cheering at this moment, taking them back to their childhood, but I'm like, oh boy, we're doing this thing. Gotta tie it all together. I actually smiled at that every gadget that that toy had pops up here. Wrist blasters, he gets them for a little while, then loses them. The wings, the rockets. Swords, lightsabers, (laughs) whatever that is. It looked like just a wand that they would use at a concert to see if you're carrying a gun, but it was used to cut through vines. Yeah, I enjoy that little checking off of the list of from Toy Story the movie. But I'm not cheering. It's just a little internal smile. I'm not even smiling externally. But this ending happened so fast that it was all about Buzz. I lost track of Zerg in this ending. I was like, Mm -hmm. where did Zerg go? I know the ship was destroyed. We're going to see Zerg is not dead. But I kind of just forgot about him. I agreed. I don't have many thoughts on how all of this wraps up, other than Alicia feels like she can be a space ranger because she got over her space phobia. And the other two, I don't know. I I guess one gets a gun, and the other one... Still plays with a pen. Yes, he got to use the pen. Okay, again. (laughs) Thin. Thin, thin, thin. 
anemic, really, uh, emaciated. Like, these aren't just thin characters. They're barely there. And again, to go back to the term obvious, when Buzz is hailed as a hero and given his new space ranger force and there's all those faceless cadets, they look like robots themselves. They might as well be Zerg's army under those helmets. All those characters that we care about and, oh boy, I can't wait to see them. No, 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 don't care about any of them. Like, don't even care about the crew of rookies he picks. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to pick the characters that look human and look individual, not... That we spent 90 minutes with. Yeah, not from the faceless army that's there. So I figured this was happening from the point that all these characters were introduced. So I wasn't really shocked. One thing shocked me. I didn't expect Socks to become part of the crew. When Socks got the little harness that was the Space Ranger outfit. Arnie, toyetic, merchandising. He's obviously going to be part of the crew. (laughs) But what are they doing? Because they haven't fixed their hyperdrive. Socks still got to remember that formula. But their Space Rangers going, flying like, Just around the planet? I don't even know what they're patrolling. (laughs) Yes, low-level altitudes. But the emphasis is that they're trying to say is that you shouldn't want to change the past. You should live with the circumstances you find and make the best of it, and that will make a happy life. Maybe there is a good movie in that. I did not experience the story of that, the moral of that in this. Yes, there are going to be low-level space rangers that fight any threat that tries to invade a home, but they're not going to leave this planet, in part because they don't have the means. See, and I think they're going to explore maybe at near light speed, but not light speed. I mean, they got to go someplace other than this planet. I mean, otherwise, that's like five-year-olds playing Explorer, but they never leave their parents' backyard. No, they're not leaving. They're definitely not leaving. They're the Universe Protection Division, which means that they're protecting... With no light speed, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they can't go far. You know, they can age and, like, go out and it takes 50 years to go to another planet, but... No, I take it to mean, again, the whole point of this is Buzz is going to learn how to have a life and not get stuck on past mistakes. Well, let's not get stuck on the mistake of going too long. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Lightyear? Jacob. I'm sure you could find this video on YouTube. Like, Pixar has, or at least they had, like, this whole list of rules when they were coming up with a story. Like, they really have to work at it and answer all these different questions to make sure it was going to have an emotional impact. And I, I guess they've thrown that out. Maybe Disney didn't acquire that in the merger. But I have to ask, like, what is the mission of this film? Like, what is the point of Lightyear? Is it to entertain your six-year-old for 100 minutes? Then recommend. Go for it. But, man, was I bored during this. It it, it took me back, like, again, I'm never going to watch Cars 2 and 3, I guess, unless we have to do it for this show. But I, my plan in life is to never have to watch those Cars sequels. My plan in life is that we'll never review them. <laughs> but... We've learned to never say never. Right. <laughs> but like, I went back, and I remember when I saw The Good Dinosaur. I get why Cars was popular. Like, it, kids and cars, they, they like the toys and all that. But The Good Dinosaur, I remember watching that, and oh boy, it is not good. Like, that felt like what happened to Pixar. Like, how did they turn out that film? Like, again, felt like they threw out all the rules, and it, it just felt like a downward slide like it's it's become less and less special as they've continued as disney has taken over and 
I understand all the words they say in here. Well, most of them, when we get to how there's two buzzes, I'm not quite clear. But another important factor is actually feeling that and feeling like those rules are there and it's all laid out naturally. And I just naturally absorb that and buy into it as the movie goes. I never get to that point here. Like, I'm not laughing throughout this film. I'm not having a good time. I'm just kind of bored. Again, looks beautiful, technically great but just kind of bored during this because it's not hitting those emotional notes that so many Pixar films have hit, that the Toy Story franchise is known for. And so, yeah, you, you want to entertain your child? Sure, you're, you're probably going to be bored during this, but this felt like a pilot for, yeah, another Buzz Lightyear Disney Plus animated series. And it didn't feel special. It didn't feel emotional. I The lessons to learn in this are fairly simple. Like, this is a brand that has always appealed to adults. And I don't see the appeal here. It's, so it's a not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, I think just as there are two buzzes, there are two minds of this. And I think we're all saying the same thing. It's good enough for non-discriminating kids that just want to see light and fury and have fun. But I seriously doubt if Andy, in seeing this movie in 1995, would want an action figure of Buzz Lightyear. Like, they did not sell us on why this is a great solo adventure for that character. And I think that would have been a tall order, because again, Buzz is annoying. He needs a good foil. He doesn't seem like a character I'd want to follow on a solo mission. And just in the same way that no one ever wants to listen to his logs, no one's really going to want to watch this movie. It's not really that engaging. And what's painful is that it is made with such care, that it is probably the best-looking Pixar movie of all time, and yet I couldn't tell you why you'd need to watch it. I, that's just, it's clumsy message making, it's unfunny pratfalls, the lack of chemistry between the characters, it's empty and, and, and surprising, because I never thought that Pixar, their quality control was always so good. I mean, one other theory, just to throw out there, is they've lost John Lasseter, the guy that was there at the founding of the company that was instrumental in overseeing so many of those early films, was removed and not here to work on the new films. And whatever it is, I can tell you, it's not here. The other mind of this is the adult me saying, I don't have any passion for this. I came for a toy story, and I wouldn't even buy the toy. It's a red arrow to obscurity and no further. <laughs> yeah, I had a very similar thought when I was leaving the theater, Stuart, was if this is Andy's favorite movie that he's watched again and again on VHS, he's really non-discerning. I mean, look, people love that movie Hook. There's always those people. Yeah, but there's a difference. With Hook, I think millennials were of a certain age where Rufio really spoke to them, <laughs> and I was too old for Rufio. Everyone should be too old for Rufio. <laughs> Here, I just think that in making the Lightyear movie, they've made the rote derivative film that is what the Lightyear jokes were anyway. We were joking about Buzz Lightyear entirely because he was an amalgam of sci-fi tropes. But when you get a whole bunch of sci-fi tropes together and put them in one movie, you get a derivative film that... Again, the key word here is obvious. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought the film was fine. Not great. I laughed a few times. 
I'm really on the fence on recommending or not. And when I'm this close to the edge, I always say, is there one factor that will tip me? Is there something so egregious that is going to tip me negative or something so good it'll tip me positive? Socks the cat <laughs> tips me positive. Just the slimmest margin of recommends. Saved by a robot cat. You know what? I don't think the cat's that good. I'll just go ahead and put it out there. It was cute. But again, nothing in this movie is uproarious. I'm not in love with any aspect of it. It doesn't seem like there's much here to mine. And that's, I guess, my thoughts on Pixar in general. Please don't keep going back to your old hits and trying to do remixes. Keep going and finding the new stories that will connect with new audiences. You're good at that. I don't know why they have to second-guess themselves and make Cars 3 and Nemo 2. And I'm one of the three of us most cold on Pixar in general. I've seen the fewest of their films. I just got around to seeing WALL-E a couple months ago. You just saw WALL-E? That's my favorite Pixar film. It's good. So... I look at them as a studio, and if a studio steps down in quality, it's a studio. They have a lot of product, you know? And do I hope the studio recovers? So go watch one of their old movies, not this. Yeah. You got Disney+, Plus. they're all on there, you don't have to watch this when it shows up. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of, like, Toy Story, like, I think this director was even involved in some of those, like, 30-minute TV special Toy Stories. This is no better than that. This just feels like extra content. That uh, you could watch if you really were a completist, but it's not going to serve you the way that the four other movies will. If it didn't look so great, I'd say it should be direct-to-video. Right, yeah, that is the <laughs> thing that kept it on the IMAX screen, was that it had the visual spectacle. Yeah, ironically, if it didn't look so great, didn't put so much money into it, and just streamed it as a show, like, they probably would make money off of it. Mm -hmm. It's that $200 million they spent making it look so good that's hurting it. Or I guess the gay kiss, maybe that's what hurt it. We'll never know. <laughs> uh, you know, that hurts me to think that that could have been so detrimental. But I, who knows? There's lots of reasons, I think, that would keep audiences away. COVID. We're still in a pandemic. For lots of reasons, people could make that choice. Yeah, what I did read is family movies still haven't had the recovery that, say, Tom Cruise movies have. Yeah, different demographics. Men are dumb and much more riskier. They'll go to the theaters. Watch out, Minions. That means you next week. I hope that dies. I never want to see a Minion again. We're not covering that movie, but we are going to cover a streaming show. Again, if that's what the kids are into these days, we'll skip Space Rangers and move on to Moon Knights. That's what we'll be reviewing next Tuesday. Oh, yeah, the kids love Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about Moon Knight. Never heard of Moon Knight. That's every child's favorite comic book, Moon Knight. Uh-huh. Oscar Isaac, that's who you put in your kid's film. Well, he was in episode 789. True. He didn't do anything in those, though. I don't know. This one looks curious. I, I will say it looks unusual. I haven't seen it, but Disney Plus Marvel shows have been pretty good by and large. So I'm hoping for good things, and I like Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I'm actually excited for this one. Yep, so we will be back with that next week. Meanwhile, this Friday, we continue heading into the twilight. New moon, because there's a new love interest in Bella's life, and it's a werewolf. Start making your election signs. Are you Team Jacob or Team Edward? This is where it's all going to become apparent. Yeah, maybe people should cancel it for the werewolf stuff. Like, people just get mad about everything these days. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, we're going to follow the implications of interspecies romance through all five films. This is the second one this Friday. So you can hear all those shows with a $10 donation that keeps us podcasting 
week after week. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, you've got a friend in us. Andy? Nah. It'll be fun while it lasts. I'm proud of you, cowboy. Besides, when it all ends, I'll have old Buzz Lightyear to keep me company. For infinity and beyond. Thank you for listening to this now playing podcast movie review. I have been chosen. Farewell, my friends. I go on to a better place. If you enjoyed this show, you can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. If your kid loves you so much, why is he leaving? Want to hear more reviews like this one? You can find hundreds of other movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. In the vacuum of space, they cannot hear you square! In our archives section are over 800 reviews. Listen to our hosts discuss horror, sci-fi, comedy, action, drama, and more. Wow, this place is amazing. Plus, you can hear reviews of every movie based on Marvel or DC Comics. Are you kidding? It's a commercial! A new, totally free movie review podcast is posted every Tuesday. So come back each week for another new show. At last, I'm gonna get played with! Now Playing relies on listener support to keep operating. If you'd help us, one toy to another, I'd sure be grateful. You can support Now Playing by joining our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. Backers can get early access to reviews, unedited reviews, exclusive shows not available anywhere else, and more. Details are at nowplayingpatron.com. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? At our Podbean site, you can also support the show by listening to any of our donation shows. Series like Planet of the Apes, Jurassic Park, Phantasm, Jaws, and others are available for a small, one-time contribution. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. We want to specially thank our Podbean donors of $50 or more. Brent, AZ Kovacs, Brant Paddock, Nafe Williams, J. Clark Fisher, Logan2012, Neil Mulcahy, Roy Lake, T. Durden182, V.C. Neri, Wes Zimmerman2, Paul Blanchett, Len King Jr., Bowerman Entertainment, Cross CR, FisherJaw12, Jazer Watowski, Martin Hibbets, New York Giants Fan3342, Rudix, Andrew Doran, VMC Clentic, Now Playing Fan, Big Nico2047, Developer Adrian, Gojira76, Kiefer42, Moe, Price Jared 24, Sphinctech, The Zabukazar, Adam Malowinski, Chris L. Harris, And Marup, D. Peters Versus, Brandante, James on Childress, Klein 40, Mr. Osmus 2, Robert Carter USC, Ticasta 2176, TNF 73, We Are Tessellate, Anakin Flair. Oh, thank you, thank, thank you all, thank you. You can also donate to us directly on PayPal. Details can be found by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. You have saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. You saved their lives. Oh, my hero. Want 375 more Now Playing reviews? Get the Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Arnie, Stewart, Jacob, and Marjorie reviewed 125 different movies, each getting three recommends or not recommends. The ebook is available now, and the print book will be shipping soon. Find details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. Nirvana is coming. The mystic portal awaits.
You can also follow Now Playing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, the hosts post new episode announcements, movie reviews, and contests, where you can win movies and soundtracks. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube for original video content. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Everything's gonna be okay. Associate produced by Jason Latham. Good job, troops. We're that much closer to Woody. Now Playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. It's too short. We need more monkeys. There aren't any more. That's the whole barrel. Now Playing credits read by Brock. I don't believe that man's ever been to medical school. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. You are a I don't care bear. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. I have a question. Well, actually not just one. I have all of them. I have all the questions. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of, and may not be used without the expressed written permission of, Venganza Media Incorporated. Shoots and ladders. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2022, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. So long, partner. Kaboom. In Oklahoma, look at in... Let me validate that state. Let me let me validate that state, but I'm pretty sure so Oklahoma it sounds sounded. right, doesn't it? Louisiana, <laughs> Oklahoma, like th- there's a handful of them you could use. It was Oklahoma, yay! Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you can say that again, Jacob. Specifically, waited until the early kids show. You know, the one ten a.m. that I figured everyone that had a five year old would be one ten a.m. Yeah, I mean, kids are up at, at 1 a.m. <laughs> say p.m., huh? Stuart. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? You said 1, 10 a.m. No, I said 10 a.m. Oh, 10, it sounded... You 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 said 1, 10 a.m., and so I thought it was, you were, I thought you meant, you. there was a 1 and then a 10, and so that was what confused me. And we see out of focus, or we see the hands of Star-Lord. 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 <laughs>